All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Going strong. Still going strong. Having the big talks with the interesting people. Always new. I mean, I never know what's going to happen. It, oddly, that's true. Look, you guys, Brooke Shields is here. All right? Brooke Shields. I've been talking about her lately, but I'm not alone. Who doesn't love Brooke Shields? What kind of fucking monster doesn't love Brooke Shields? I mean, I feel like she's been in my whole life, but she really hasn't. I mean, when I was younger, she was sort of defining. You, you know, I mean, I bought uh, a pair of Calvin Klein jeans. I don't even know if she was necessarily advertising them to me. I mean, I remember realizing like, hey, these aren't just for girls. I'm getting some Calvins. I had Calvins. Brooke Shields on the billboard in Times Square. I remember it because when I was like 14 or 15 years old, me and my buddy Dave went to New York City with fake IDs. He had his familiaries. And I, if I'm, if I'm remembering correctly, there was a giant Brooke Shields billboard in Times Square next to the billboard that still blew smoke rings. I'm going to bring that up to her. There was a billboard. I mean, some of you have heard about it. You've seen pictures of it. Still blue smoke rings. It was for Winston cigarettes, I bet. And there was a hole in the guy's mouth and smoke rings would come out. And next to that was a uh, Brooke Shields Calvin Klein uh, billboard. Swear to God. And then it was weird because me and Dave were kids, 15, stayed out in my grandmother's, Pompton Lakes, New Jersey, took the bus in to Times Square and just w wandered around. Some guy tried to roll us. I remember he was like, you guys, you're looking for guitars? We're like, yeah, what do you got? We well, got Gibson or a Fender? Yeah, it's in the alley. I got a Gibson Fender. And I kind of remember that. And we went to Manny's Music. What was that, on 48th, 47th, 48th? I can't remember. It was a very, it was a very exciting time. And we just wanted to drink beers because, you know, we had these fake IDs. And they, you know, they'd serve anybody back in the day in New York. And I remember we went to like Hamburger Harry's or something just to drink beers. It's fucking ridiculous. Good times, though. Brooke Shields billboard times square she's here today she's here because a pretty baby brooke shields uh it's a documentary premieres uh today premieres today on hulu you know i i'd like to think i'm working but every once in a while i see people that accomplish big things and i can look at my life and and see that i've accomplished things but a lot of times maybe i don't give myself credit for like for the work because I'm so engaged with it. How much prep do I really do? What am I doing? Am I a craftsman? I guess so. I guess, I guess my legacy are these conversations. You know, what I did here's, I, here's where I'm at and I don't even know what this means, but I wanted to find out how many days I've been alive. Do you know how many days you've been alive? I know how many days I've been alive. 21,000. 738, 21,738. I'm going to break that down at some point to at what age did I start sort of engaging with life in a real way? And how many hours was I sleeping? So I can just figure out what I did with that time. Because sometimes, you know, I look at stuff that I have or I look at behavior that I do, and sometimes it feels familiar. Like, you know, I'm doing this vegan thing, all right? Now, I feel like I've tried this before, and, and I don't know when, but I kind of know that I tried it 
to some degree before because I'm eating stuff that that seems familiar to me that I've eaten before. Like, but not just like, oh yeah, I enjoy this. Like I was trying to do it at another time and, and somehow or another it crapped out for reasons that I don't quite know. But I have these cycles, these patterns, and there's so many things that I've done and let go of in 21,738 days. How many of those were smoking? How many of those were like <laughs> wearing boots? How many of those were wearing those black jeans I used to have when I was younger? What happened to that belt? That's, this isn't nostalgia. It's just a time thing. How did I utilize my 21,738 days alive on this planet? It's long. It's a lot of days. A lot of days. Do you, do you ever think about like how many of those days did you masturbate? Out of 21,738, how many times did you masturbate? That I'm going to work on that number because... I think once I get past starting at about 12 years old, 13 years old, it's a lot. <laughs> what have I put my body through in 21,738 days? How many places have I lived? How many pe people did I meet? How many people did I date? How many people that have gone through my life? How many? Oh, my God. 21,738. It's crazy. It's crazy. My brain's a little worn out. That's a lot. It's a lot of days to be awake, isn't it? When was my earliest memory? When did that start? I don't know. I don't know why I got hung up on it, but I was just curious. And I think it was driven by the idea that like, I didn't feel like I'd accomplished enough. <laughs> that somehow or another, I decided in the last day or two that I'm wasting time. And then I looked at that number, 21,738, how much, how much of that was just me sitting around thinking? I wake up. Now, granted, I'm alone. I've got cats that have needs. Uh, occasionally, kits around. But, like, for the most part, I'm a solo operation. And 21,738 days. Some people make movies. They spend years doing a thing. They build things. They're like, look what I built. It's a, it's a f whole building. Look, I built a house. Look, I made this piece of art that's in a park. Look, look what I made. I made a car from scratch. Look, I, look, it's a pizza. I made a pizza. That one's a little less impressive. But what did I make? 21,738 days. I've talked a lot. I've talked a lot. I've taken a few pictures. I've, uh, I've appeared in some things. But man, I gotta, I gotta build a building or something, man. Twenty one thousand seven hundred thirty eight days. How much of that was I just thinking about the same shit that I always think about? How many hours of the twenty one thousand seven hundred thirty eight days alive on this planet was I just thinking the same fucking things I think all the time? I gotta break out, man. I think it was just one. I wanted a number to sort of judge myself against in terms of, you know, time spent. Cause I can burn through a day, man, with not much to, not much to show for it, except maybe a, a baked potato or a, a nice cabbage salad, just burn through it. But then I'm kind of thinking like, is that a problem? I mean, what am I going to do when I don't want to work anymore? Some days I feel like that's a, that's a, you know, on the horizon. 
Is there anything wrong with utilizing your day in a way that just all you have to show for it is I had some fun thinking about some stuff and I made this nice salad and I, I, I hiked up the hill. Is there anything wrong with that day? What do I owe the fucking world? 21,738 days. How much of that was spent beating the shit out of myself? How many hours? How much of that was fun? How much of that was high? It's wild, man. When you put a number on it, you put a number on it. There it is. That's how many days. And I'm not even thinking about how many days do I have left. (sighs) Brooke Shields is here. The documentary Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields, is now available to stream on Hulu. And um, it's great. And she's great. And I I couldn't have been more excited to talk to somebody. This week, I'm very excited to talk to Brooke Shields. And I was excited for Thursdays, too. But that's not, what, that's not what's happening now. Right now, it's Brooke Shields time. Here we go. But, like, I get totally invested. I can't watch shows where animals... It's very hard for me no, to watch. <laughs> to me, and there's, a you know, anthropomorphism. Yes. I do that. Sure. Absolutely. Oh, all the time. All the time. All day long with these cats. All I'm, day long. All day long. <laughs> I do it with cats. I, my dog was a talker. Oh, yeah. And she all the right. time. And I, I've got this one video, and I don't know, it just worked out perfectly. And yeah. I said, do you love me? And yeah. she went, uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, she, she speaks. Gets it. Yeah. <laughs> a miracle dog. Oh, anyway. I'm glad I had honest vets. Because sometimes they'll just drag it on. Like, you know, because I've been in situations with these animals where I'm giving them, uh, you know, uh, IVs, IV and, fluids and yeah. do it. It's, it's a nightmare. And well, it's fine. I mean, I went the opposite way. Yeah. You know, I was like, oh, maybe we can because she had a tumor on her spine. Yeah. That, and by the time we found it, it was massive and it, yeah. it just stopped her back legs from working. And but it was one day she was fine. The next day yeah. she was dragging her hind legs. Oh, and, no. you know, and I'm going, well, what about those little yeah. wheelies? Yeah, and those I little, get that. Uh, you know, and my husband was like, babe, she's waking up in her own yeah. excrement. He, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not the way. Yeah, there's at some point you have to draw this line. It's sort of like, it's an animal and it's had a good run. (laughs) Well, I went back and of course, obsessively started looking at all videos and, you know, of her leaping into the pool and running on the beach. And and I thought, you know what, that was, that's what she, how she lived. So we gave her that. And, and now it's, you know, but but boy, I mean, anyway, it was, uh, but hey, (laughs) I'm here. You're okay. And I I think it's uh, being a steward, having stewardship of an animal into passing is is better. It's better than it being hit by a car or letting it suffer. Absolutely. And also you see their little faces and then they, that does, they don't don't look like they're themselves. You know what I mean? Like they look, they actually, when the whatever, I don't know. Oh, the life goes out of them? Yeah. They just, they, like, she didn't look like herself anymore. I mean, the same thing happened with my mom when I saw my mom die. Did you have your mom put down? I put my mom down, too, yeah. But I didn't, I didn't bother with the first shot. Yeah. I just went for the second yeah, shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and what it does, there's, like, something that happens, and you're, they're not there anymore. Yeah, you know? I definitely can uh, 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 witness that. So, wait, so you were there when your mom died? I was. I had this, I insisted on sort of, staring at her because I was not present for my father's death. I wasn't... Was that before? Um, yes. Uh, I was about, God, now it's 18, 19 years ago, um, three weeks before my daughter was born. Um, 
And Did he die suddenly? No, oh. but he had prostate cancer, which oh. is just infuriating. Because you can catch that one. Yeah, um, but he was of the of the school of well, no, I'm not going to go to the doctor. Yeah, no one's going find in there. Something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Not, yeah. Well, there's no one going in there, and, <laughs> and <laughs> nope, yeah. not there. And so anyway, that by the time they found it, it was very oh, late. Oh my and, god! Yeah. And, and uh, so I saw. I thought, okay, well, I'm my mom's only daughter, so I sat there, and you know, you think it's going to be like in the movies, yeah, with the sigh, and the yeah. just, you know, the look, whatever. I mean, you know, she had had her mouth open for about a week by that point, and she, you know, she started the. And then the teeth would close, and it was just—it was oh, like a horror movie. The organ failure, right? I, I or, guess. Like and like her her breathing was real heavy, and yeah. But like it, every breath was like that. But she would not breathe for a while, and then she'd gasp open, right. and then shut her teeth together really tight. It was just—it was Awful. horror. It was just—I mean, it was one of those things. And and the, the night before she had had, before she you know, yeah. died. All these nurses came in, and they, it was during Hurricane Sandy, yeah. and we had lost power, and I was sort of stuck uptown, yeah. and I was just and slept in bed with her, and and they had they gave us these little, um, you know, pill cups like yeah. in one flew over the cuckoo's nest, yeah. and they had given me a bottle, and it had three quarters water in it, and they kept saying, "You've got to hydrate, you've got to hydrate," and I said, "All right, all right, all right, I'll hydrate." My yeah. God, I'm not. I chug this thing down. They had <laughs> smuggled in fluff vodka. Yeah. And given me a whole Poland spring bottle filled with fluff vodka for some What's reason. What's fluff vodka? It's like the cotton candy flavor oh, or God. like okay. cake flavor. Yeah. It's oh, just, yeah, marshmallow fluff? Yeah, like oh, yeah. that. Okay. And, and they were like, uh-huh, we got your back. And I was like, yeah, they put they put some by my Thanks mom. for the horrible thing. <laughs> yes, by my mom's lips. Yeah. Her lips clamped down on that little fluff vodka like her life depended on it. Oh, she it. loved it? Yeah. It I was all like, came back? Not, I was like, it's not going to kill her, you know? <laughs> So that was her last uh, her last her, drink. Her last drink. Her last meal. <laughs> well, you know, I watch a documentary, and it's like it's difficult uh, when I see. You know, it becomes tricky. Like, so what are we going to talk about? I know it's all there, but but there was stuff though. I mean, there's like the fact that you were there for your mother's uh, death and how she played so heavily into your life as this. You know, um, guiding force for better or for worse. I mean, you kind of talked about it a little bit in the film, but w were you detached when she was dying? Detached? Oh, God, I don't know. I think I was doing that, that self-defense thing where you, the defensive yeah. mechanism where you're playing a role. Yeah. All of a sudden I was like... The, the child by the dying mother, you right. know, and I, okay. because it was this, I just went in and I just, I wanted so much to be present because I didn't want to miss anything. The thing is, she was not there yeah. for a, a, such a long time. She had dementia? She had dementia, yeah. 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 My, my dad just started that. Oh. Seems exciting. It's very exciting. Yeah. It's very fun. And it's great when they don't know your name. I'm waiting for that. And you get mad at them. But my mom would, you know, she would do things like heat soup up on the, open flame but in the ceramic bowl oh yeah and i'd be like my you know yeah. that's not me she's like ah fuck the middleman yeah yeah you know, <laughs> so that, she actually knew what she was doing yeah she, no. she, she was that was her way of going through the world you know so <laughs> i you know, she'd said the, that before about other things oh always yeah. always always fuck the middleman and you know all the nurses had all these stories about her uh-huh 
you know, they were arguing whether she was more Dominican or more Cuban or yeah. more, you know, she was one of theirs. One of they, they were having these like, she's, I call her Terrytown. I call her Mike T. Yeah. She said I had a beautiful smile. No one ever told me that. I mean, it was like she had this whole life with at these, the hospital, at the, at the home. In, in random fragments of... At, niceness yeah and, whatnot. and they they she registered with people like huh. that's what she that's what she did you know so uh, right up till the end yeah she was charismatic and connected oh yeah and she was the well and it was halloween during hurricane sandy yeah i mean she's like fuck you i'm hurricane terry you know like i'm not <laughs> yeah, going yeah, out yeah. you know she was abroad she yeah was a, right yeah she yeah was a, a figure you know but how do you feel now do you do you miss her i miss uh I miss parts of her. I don't miss the worry. I don't miss the alcoholism. I don't miss the the the, the burden of being everything to her. Yeah. You know, and she never turned into the sweet little old grandmother, you know, that was yeah, going to be able a... to. No, I mean, she's the woman who filled the bathtub up and my do- my two-year-old daughter was running around naked and she got locked out of the house. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. And, and, she's a monster to the end. Yeah, oh, yeah. And she's well. If you had given me a key, I would be able. I was like, well, no, that wouldn't have helped, Mom. Oh my god! <laughs> you would have left the key uh, inside, and you. But this is before been. she was sick. This is as we were realizing something was uh, amiss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, that, one thing I like, I realized like when I saw you for the first time, and I was like, oh my god, Brooke Shields! I feel uh, like I've known you my whole life. That like in retrospect, after watching the documentary, I'm like, oh god, that's what everyone says to her. Well, but you know what? It's mm. like I'm like they people imprint on yeah. on me, but they don't even know it. It's right. just I'm part of like the zeitgeist of an era of someone's life, and they don't realize it that it's. That, like almost is, a constant, in a way. Well, I mean, God, I've 56 I, years. <laughs> right. I, I had no idea really until I watched, until I put it all into context, just how huge you were, at a presence in the culture. Like you oh. were just like, every, you, were, you were just, everyone knew you. Brooke Shields. And it was, it was this huge projection at different times for different reasons. I know, but when did you see, like, that's interesting to me because, and I'm not bragging, but I dated, I, I married a model. It didn't go well. But I, <laughs> I, I, I realized when I met her, because she was going into comedy and she'd gotten out of that racket because it was, it's a horrible bit, life in a lot of oh, ways, yeah. modeling. And it's dangerous to, to some women, uh, just in terms of how they manage their personal, their body. Oh, it's sick. Yeah, and uh, but so I was happy she got out. But the idea of the this natural gift of beauty being this kind of tabula rosa for people to just you know make their own in some weird way to project almost you know anything whether it's sexual or not onto mm-hmm. and I mean that's the job of it. But I mean, when did you? What? Because it seems like in in the documentary you've had to kind of backload a lot of information as you learned it as an older person yeah. about your situation. But when did you know that, that that you were just this blank page in a way, just this this thing that represented beauty, but everyone was going to make you what they want to? I mean, I think I was subtly realizing it all along the way, but just probably couldn't articulate it. Yeah. Because, but the problem was I was also getting approval for it. Right. So that's very fueling and it's it's enough as a little girl you're liked, 
right? Yeah. If they say, you know, if you're pretty or you do a good job. Or I guess you, that's right, right? You're liked, you know, and you get you get invited back. Sure. You, you know, and I think that that I was I thrived on that because I wanted to be a good girl and I wanted to please everybody. And, and, and also like, but your mom at that point when you were like, I mean, you started when you were a baby, but I mean, like even when you were five or six or whatever, was she scary? Yet? She didn't. Not, you know, I think that she was just so bohemian uh, that I, we were always around like a lot. Is of that really, code for a bad parent? <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's, it's probably. I mean, she had this weird sense of like she just took me everywhere, you know. And I mean, we were going when I was like seven or eight. We yeah. went to see Rocky Horror Picture Show at a gay bar right. with all, you know, okay. guys in cages. Sure. And, yeah. and she was that mom. And she was, you know, we That's were... sort of a singular thing. It wasn't like you'd go to these places there were several other moms doing that. No, no. She And the fact that other mothers <laughs> would let her take their kids. Oh, really? Um, so she was just... She was always larger than life. Yeah. Um, but... I don't think I realized it until sort of I was about in my well, by the time I did my first intervention, which With was her? thirteen. Yeah, thirteen. I was thirteen when you did that. Oh yeah, yeah, my first. But do you think, like in looking back on it, that there was some sort of um, order to you know a set to? Uh, it saved my life because, <laughs> uh, like, yeah. I mean, I everybody knew where I was at all times. I was completely safe. <laughs> yeah, I was accounted for. Yeah, I was fed. I, you know, I, they had people to, were nice to people you. People were nice to me, yeah. and and I had a routine. And you got a piece of paper, yeah. And you had to look look at those lines, and that's what you did. And you had a piece of paper for every day. And then someone and, would take you to school. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the and trailer, exactly. And yeah. you had timed meals, and yeah. there was something so uh, just safe about it. It, it must and have been. Really... Whereas being a kid in New York with a mom who was a single mom who drank. You never knew what you, what, I mean, it wasn't, I wasn't fearful. I mean, she never hit me. No. There was no. No? Oh, that's good. No, not, not. Were there even, men in and out of the house kind of deal? Not really. Oh, I yeah. mean, she. You were she, it. I was it. And then she <laughs> sort of found one person who kind of was more of a provider. Uh-huh. And I knew she, I was like, that can't be your type. I mean, you can't go from dad to that. Yeah. You know? But he was generous and yeah. took us on trips. And well, what is that? Old man? Presents. No, he was just a, he just. He didn't wasn't very attractive, <laughs> but he was very loving to me, and yeah. it was nice, and he yeah. was generous. He gave yeah. me stuff all the time, and I think my mom just sort of thought, okay, this is going to be helpful for a little while. Well, I like it that she was uh, so practical about everything. She'd really <laughs> given up on, you know, uh, uh, I guess passion and joy to a degree. I also think she was a you can't fire me, I quit person. Yeah. You know, she, yeah. she was fuck not— you person? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, and, like, she wasn't going to— let herself be hurt. I mean, she she divorced my father without even telling him. She went to Mexico. Well, it, well, what was this, the backstory on that? It, he didn't want the baby. No, it wasn't even that. He he she didn't want to get an abortion. First right, of all, right. Then she he thought that the whole thing was going to be taken care of because so they had to, they weren't married. No, it was just a fling. Um, you know what? I think it was a really good weekend. Right. <laughs> and I think she was like a heat seeking missile. Yeah. And she was nine years older than he was. And here was he was this, a pretty guy. Oh, he's just beautiful. I yeah. mean, he was an Adonis. And, yeah. And she just fell really, really hard. And I think. She got pregnant, I think, that weekend or whatever, that uh-huh. maybe that first encounter, I don't know. And she 
kind of got her hooks into him. And then when she told him that she was pregnant, then he thought, well, I can't do that. I yeah. can't have a child out of wedlock. And and this is going to ruin my reputation. What, what was his family like? Very um, blue blood, Upper East Side, Waspy, really? you know, Penn. Um, his mother was a princess in Rome. His father An was— An Italian princess? Yeah, Rome— Rome, like, like, real deal princess, and he was sort of raised half that way. And then his father was a was the number one tennis player in the world. Did you know that guy? And I knew him when I was two. I think by the time I was three, he died. But he was also an actor under contract at Paramount. This was, tennis playing Italian guy? Uh, not he? Italian. Oh, he, he was, was uh, Irish. Yeah. Huh. Irish English. Huh. You know, a gorgeous an, 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 six, an, seven. An Irish English uh, actor tennis player. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, go figure. So what? then you ended up with a tennis player. <laughs> yeah. I'm just wondering what the imprints are on that. Well, the, the 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 toast was really easy for my father at that yeah. point. <laughs> he had a Davis <laughs> Cup medal, and it was like, oh, everybody was just yeah. was like, you're yeah. welcome, Dad. Yeah. <laughs> wow. So, uh, but what do you did? Have you tracked that lineage of royalty? Yeah, list? you have. I did. Took so they do that. Um, it's not twenty three and me. It's who do you think you are? That television show oh, okay, that yeah. started at the, the BBC and then yeah. Lisa Kudrow did it uh, here in America. Oh, and, yeah, 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 I remember. And they charted my DNA and they said, do you have any questions about your past? And I said, yeah, is this true right. about my dad's lineage? Like, come on, everybody. Yeah. I mean, everybody's royalty in Italy. Like, it's, you sure. know, and, and what does that mean? And we have five stars on our crest and all yeah. this. And, you know, my mom was Newark. Yeah, right. So that's, that's it. That's it. That's I, a category on itself. Yeah, Newark. Newark. <laughs> Newark. And you have to say it like that. Um, and I was, you know, I've been straddling that bizarre fence probably my whole life. But was it's, there a moment where you like, where are the jewels? Oh, no. I, I confronted my father one day because there was this palazzo. It was beautiful. And we all owned a portion of it. Yeah. And he sold off my part. Before? Oh. And I said, what? Dad. Dad, I'm the first grandchild. There had to have been something in there. Yeah. He goes, well, no, not anymore. We need to buy this house in Long Island. And I was like, oh, oh okay. No right. palazzo, huh? No palazzo, no. Do you have royal cousins and stuff? Yeah. I mean, we. I'm, one of them's getting married this this oh, summer. So you, you and so a, we're, yeah. You're in touch? Yes, we are. We are in touch. But it was one of those things where I was like, okay, that's what I want to know about my dad's side. And what I want to know about my mom's side yeah. is I hate my grandmother. Yeah. I've always hated her. <laughs> and I know that. But I would like to understand so that maybe I can take the hate out of my heart and have some sort of empathy or understanding. This is your mom's mom? Yeah, my mom's well, mom. What would you find out? Wretched. What would you find uh, that when she was nine, um, she had to quit school and take care of her three siblings. and Younger siblings? Younger siblings. At nine? At nine. In and Newark. In Newark. And on her watch, one of her siblings drowned. And, you know, the guilt that yeah. comes from that. And then she, you know, never went to school. She yeah. was planning on going to school and actually having some kind of a yeah. career. And, yeah. and she got married, had three children. He died. When my mom was nine, and she once again was stuck with three children, and then my mom gets out, and we have a Mercedes. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. And that's hateful, and and I mean we paid for everything. For so her. you knew this woman. I as knew an this old woman. woman, and she was awful. She was awful, and but she it's was, a sad story. Were it, you able to achieve empathy? Yes, because it, her whole life was kind of usurped by tragedy and she didn't have the education to really. Yeah. and I can see how all of a sudden. Your granddaughter's a movie star and lives in a in New York City, sure. and your and why your wouldn't daughter, why wouldn't you resent them? Uh, yeah, and so then you've got one daughter that stays yeah. in Newark and takes care of her. Basically, sure, we're paying 
for mo- most of it. Yeah. I'm working and paying for most of so it. So you're taking care of her as well? Mm-hmm. And she just never wanted to give my mom any credit. I would say, oh, Grandma, what about the, the, that nice yeah. new mattress? Yeah. Yes, Louise gave it to me. Uh, I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> not, not the daughter who gave it to you. Your, your other daughter gave it to you. No, I don't think so. Uh, I was to... she a drinker? No. I wonder where your mom got that. Her father. Oh, really? You figured yeah. that out? Yeah, I figured that out. And he was funny. Oh, you remember that guy too? I never met him, but his the stories about him were just, I mean, she adored him. Oh, so. your mom did? Yeah. It's so wild to find all this stuff out, right? Yeah, you it know, is. Because there's bad, like, because you, you spend this time, like, and you, you, there was always this kind of public judgment of your mother. And mm-hmm. as as it became known that she was a drunk and, and or she had an alcoholism, I shouldn't say, you know, I'm a sober guy. She had alcoholism, but, you know, there was all this judgment, but... You know, when you really kind of build a life around these people and see where they come from, it, it just opens your heart up a little bit. It it does. And I mean, like one of the craziest moments in the documentary yeah. is when you see me sitting in between her and this journalist who's reading a scathing review of my mother. Right. And she, and and I feel the need as like a 12-year-old yeah. to stick up for her. Yeah. And he's like, you know, you've got the ready complexion of a drunk. Oh, yeah, that's right. And then I say, well, um, you know, with, you know, <laughs> she about her skin, al- she has allergies. <laughs> and you're just like, oh. And they put, but how the fuck are these people that put you in that position? I, that's I mean, what, what I'm saying. It was ha- okay. It was okay. It was for them a very to do weird it. thing, you know, and to track, you know, the sexualization of teenagers to you, mm-hmm. that's a bold kind of uh, cultural assessment in the doc, but it, it totally adds up. Yeah. Right? That the shift from the Marilyn Monroe kind of Hollywood model mm-hmm. of what, you know, sexuality and femininity was completely changes with you mm-hmm. to something perverse. That that really didn't register culturally until relatively recently. And and you know, it was sort of the Alice, you know, the Alice Little and you know, and the sort of that or the Lolita or the yeah, whatever. Sure. There was that sort of era and I was seemingly, I mean, at the center of it. Yeah. But I mean, but you like I, I don't know that you it was weird because you didn't strike me as somebody who your the sexuality that was put upon you was something uh, more innocent than like a Lolita character that was more self-willed. It seemed well, and that's what Louis Mal said when he cast me. Oh, really? He said he didn't want a Lolita. He didn't want a knowing right child who had been in touch with her sexuality yeah. or using it as a tool or power. Yeah, and he wanted real innocence and. I was like a golden retriever puppy, you know, and I yeah. didn't, I didn't have, I, I mean, it took me probably because of all that, you know, decades to sort of get in touch with my own sexuality yeah. because it was so talked about and so, and it was prohibited, then I was in trouble for it. And then my mother was in trouble. It was like, it was such a, a maelstorm. But you were, you were aware of all that really cognizantly? I, I mean, by the time I had done Blue Lagoon, I, I'd had enough time in front of the firing squad. And there's one interview that didn't make it to the documentary, and it's this woman interviewing me, and I'm maybe 14, 15, Mm. and she keeps asking me the same question over and over and over again. And I keep, it was, don't you think you lost your childhood? Or don't you think you've been robbed? It was that kind of a thing. And I kept saying, no, and I go to a regular school, and it's an enhanced, you know, it's my version of a hobby. I don't play sports. I make movies or yeah. whatever that was. I answer the same question three times, maybe more. And finally, I stop and I say, excuse me, you know, I'm, I'm with respect. I, I, say, I don't think you want my answer. 
ma'am. You did? And I said, you keep asking me the same question. <laughs> Wait, what's wrong with you? And yeah. I keep answering it. And you want a different answer, but this is my truth. And so somewhere in my character, thank the, I don't yeah. God, universe, whatever. Right, right. I was able to find the ridiculousness in it. Well, it it does. What's sort of astounding is that you had some kind of uh, inner resilience to it all that because it doesn't seem at any point during like, the, you know, the other path is is Drew Barrymore. I know. Yeah. And she's in the dock and, you know, it's unspoken. But that that didn't happen to you. You weren't, you know, taken advantage of. You didn't get strung out or, or, or fucked up on drugs, you, you know, which is the, the way of children in this business. It usually doesn't end well. But all through this thing, for whatever reason, I don't know if it was your mother or just that people looked out for you and, and didn't necessarily take advantage of you in that way. But you seem to have some sort of resilience and you do seem to be, you know, holding on to yourself. I, I, I thank you. And I think that a lot of it has to do with I never moved to Hollywood. Mm. I went to regular schools. I mean, because your mom, yeah, my mom was just like, "We're not going out there and <laughs> giving you the high school equivalency test." <laughs> yeah. She's like, "That's just not what we're going to do." A, she never got to have an education, so Whoa. it was important. So spite was important it, in this. Spite, <laughs> spite. She also, my dad was at in the beginning paying for my education, yeah. and then we were able to pay for it ourselves. Right. So then that, and you know, and. Really just having real people and real friends in my life and being a perfection, wanting to do well in school. Yeah. Because it was so far from the entertainment industry. Right. And I was a cheerleader. And I was, you know, when you Of course just, you were. If you fight, if you fight for <laughs> it enough. How is Brooke Shields not going to be a cheerleader? Oh, and I was always the tallest. So I was always at the bottom of the friggin' pyramid, like <laughs> people sitting on my head. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but there was... Convention. It was conventional. Right. It was. And, and Laura Linney was your pal. Yeah. Yeah. We she's were in the in, doc. She's, she's great. She's she's great. She's so it's so funny because she's so I was like, look at you with your cape dress and all poised and all, you know, you're an actress. So I was like, <laughs> and she and so she's been a long time, long term friend that, yeah. you know, I've just celebrated. I celebrate her. Yeah. You know, talent great actress. and success yeah. and and yeah, Trooper, right? Oh, yeah. Really? But so let's talk about those pivotal moments, though. So you're doing the, before anything, really, the first wave of of attention that was, you know, problematic was because of that Louis Mall movie, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and as everyone said in that film, in the documentary, like, that could never be made today. Not with without horrendous scrutiny, not even in Europe. But, you, but in retrospect, I mean... How do you, I mean, not that it matters, but I mean, how do you feel about that movie? I think it's possibly the only really beautiful film I've ever been in. Yeah. I mean, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And so much so that I wrote my thesis on it. I, I. You wrote your thesis on your movie? On my movie and um, La Commission, which was an, another film of Louis Mel's yeah. that. Is, has a very similar theme of loss of innocence. Uh-huh. Um, that was during the war and a, a young uh-huh. young man joining the resistance. Yeah. Um, uh, and and so and that that thematically, it was just such an interesting concept for me. This loss of innocence, you know, uh-huh. and what that what that voyage looks like when and how is it shown cinematically and and to just really break down. And at Princeton, you couldn't major in film. Right. So and so I was adamant about sort of, you know, I'm going to make a difference in the system, you know, sure. and I, so I found a way, I was a French lit major and I found a way then to sort of bring in the film and, and have looking at it 
like in like in a literary way. And how did you how did you uh, handle your performance in your thesis? Um, I didn't really critique my performance other than what he wanted he got, uh-huh. um, which was not slick, um, not learned, yeah. not, sure. you know, it was, I mean, the the sad part about it was that I also didn't really learn too much. Yeah. And it would have been a really wonderful. Oh, in terms of as, as an actress? Yeah. It would have been a wonderful environment to learn from sure, someone like him. But he him. just wanted you to be you. He just wanted me to be me, which, you know, sort of set me on that path and, and basically that theme kind of continued for many years. <laughs> but there, but there is something to it. You, you know, you're not, it's not like you're, sh- you know, you're not shallow person. Mm. So whatever you are, always, it seems to be pretty, it comes through all the time and it's all, it's just a variation. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you seem to be kind of the same person, <laughs> but you've grown up obviously, yeah. but, but there is, there's a consistency to it. Yeah. And I appreciate that too. You yeah, know, I mean, it's I, amazing. So I look, I look at that movie and I just, I'm so proud. I think Endless Love was probably one of the only other beautiful films that I, that I've made. I mean, yeah. I think that, you know, Black and White was a movie I was very proud of. Um, completely improv and Robert Downey Jr. and it's yeah. like an crazy, crazy cast. And but you know those were European uh, directors. Yeah, and they had they they it was art. They weren't afraid of put, pushing the envelope a little bit. No, but they the they yeah. expected the most. Yeah, and and there's something that I thrived on with that, and was yeah. so sort of disappointed everywhere else. You know. Yeah. Well, I, well, I, I could I could see that because you were this fundamentally American property somehow. Yeah. <laughs> I was America's sweetheart. Yeah. Right. Kind of. Right. <laughs> so they. <laughs> Yeah. I was called that. I was then. You were. Then, you were. And then, you know, you're a face of a decade. It's, it's yeah. so bizarre. But it, but it's great that you have that distance. Like, you, you know, there's no, there's no, not anywhere in the doc or the arc of your personal history that's like, well, that was when Brooke really lost it. And she was rebelling and she did that to her hair. And you, <laughs> you don't, you didn't have that. Do you, do you, are you sad that you didn't have that? Was there a period that you thought no, you might? No, you know, I'm so sort of fundamentally a workhorse and a, I do it, I go to the nth degree, I, yeah. I play by the rules, yeah. I, you know, so yeah. I don't really have that. I think I would have been probably, you know, heralded and celebrated had I had some big fuck up and then I could be the underdog and come back and, you know, do something yeah, like instead that. Instead, you just went to college and people forgot about you. Yeah, exactly. Instead, I got an education. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, That'll serve me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but but do you, I think, do you, how much do you, you know, credit deep codependency to your drive? Oh, I, it, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's like, absolutely a measurement, codependency. Yeah. We felt like you had it. Like, you, you know, it's just what it. you did. It was you, you were your mother's appendage. And, and then the was, world. Right. And then you've got the, what I owe my fans and what I owe the press. Uh, when did you start feeling that? Oh, that was just always put on me. It was my mom was like, now listen, yeah. you know, every single autograph you sign, it's one person and that's, yeah. and they are individual and you have to. So, you know, I, I oh, would she really the, asked you to show up for these people. Oh, yeah. And, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting and it's constant and it's never enough. And you don't, and it's not really directly proportionate. And you're a kid. So like, you know, if that's starting when you're 12. Oh yeah. So how do you, how is she handling your, your downtime so you don't, you know, burn out? 
I think we just, we had a lot of fun. Oh, you I did. mean, I also took it upon myself yeah. to say, you know, I was their bubble. Yeah. Like I was the bubble on the set. I was right. the funny one. I danced and sang did songs and stuff. Yeah. But we, we went to see movies. We went to see theater. We, you know, had, we traveled. We you did New laughed. York. We did New York. We lived in the city. I mean, how, I was yeah, born how were you and going, raised. Yeah. How were you going to Studio 54 and how old were you? Um, for 15, 15, and not 16. and not seeing all kinds of insanity. You saw it, but uh, somehow I was like a mascot. It was like I was the boss's daughter or something. Uh, like you yeah. know, saw the bag, but yeah. the bag never got to me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was almost as if people like, looking out for you. Again. They were all looking out for me. And Steve Rubell like put the word out like she is not to be fucked with. Yeah. And it's not even she wants to come. She dances for like an hour and a half. I'd pick the best dancer. Sure. And you know, I was home by eleven thirty. <laughs> You know, and then I'd, I'd bring my girlfriends. You are so lucky you didn't get alcoholism. I, I'm <laughs> I'm probably on my way now. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like if you, like, you know, it, I, somehow or another, I, I'm still trying to figure out how you had this, this you know, this uh, uh, kind of a, a personal integrity that didn't make you need, you know, your neediness was not, you know, driving you. I also was really afraid of lack of control. And so oh, that's what happens when you have an alcoholic mother. Yeah. So, either either you're going to be an alcoholic or you're going to be a complete control freak. Absolutely. And so that I chose that because I had to keep her alive. Right. So I was hyper vigilant all the time. That's it. Well, I, that's what it is. Peripheral all the that's time. That's the answer. And so I would, you know, there, I I call it a broadcast news moment. But when Holly Hunter pulls out the the plug of the phone and she quickly cries like crazy and then yeah. she plugs the phone back in and she picks it up. <laughs> and that's what I would do. I would do that. I would like go into the that hotel bathroom and yeah. like sit under the sink and cry really fast and then be like, okay, that's done. That's wild because that's what it is. Mm -hmm. That answers the question. I'm sitting here like, how are you so resilient? How did you have your shit together? You were just sort of like, I'm managing everything all the time. <laughs> I'm on top of it. Yeah. I mean, because without that, all hell was going to break loose. What was going to happen? And, you know, you take that on as a kid mm. and it, you just take it on. And, and that's hey, what I, I, Yeah, I, you, you don't even know. It. It's how you're mm. wired. Yeah. And then it made me, you know, I was an overachiever. You know, I had to get straight A's. It wasn't for my mom or my dad. Yeah. You know, they'd be like, give yourself a little bit of a break. I'd be like, no. Yeah. I have to get an yeah, A. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, know, yeah. It's just, it was that, my, that was my addiction. Right. You know, that was my form of addiction. Well, that type, that kind of like, you know, the, the, yeah, the, the codependency per perfectionism thing. Mm -hmm. It's rough, man. It, yeah. You know, cause you do eventually hit a bottom. Yeah. You, and it's exhausting. Yeah. But like eventually <laughs> you're just depleted. But like, let me ask you a question before we get to, to that. Like. You know, because I'd forgotten the Calvin Klein ads. I knew you were, I remember that billboard yeah. in New York because I was, I remember I used to go visit my grandmother in Jersey when I was in high school. I'd come from New Mexico and it was somewhere around, there was still one of the smoking billboards around. Oh, yeah. When, you remember the, that yeah. blue smoke rings? Mm -hmm. Yours was somewhere up around there and then the, the one with the smoke rings was <laughs> yeah. there in Times Square. Like, I remember that, but I don't really remember registering, you know, those ads where you're posing and stuff. Now, Obviously, you know, there's a segment of him, of Calvin talking about it, of him knowing uh, that he was sexualizing you and being cute about it. Now, do you, do you, ha do you have any resentment around that stuff? Or do you feel? Oh, God, no. I mean, yeah. it was the first time I was ever able to actually combine acting and modeling. Right. And it was so stressful 
the the dialogue and the and it was really well done. I mean, you were you know it was you really nailed it. I mean, I I you know I worked so hard on that. Did you have a coach? No, but uh, Avedon was directing, and he's such a, he was such a perfectionist as well. He's and, a genius. Did you work with him a lot? Um, I did a lot, a many all my Vogue covers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so you had a relationship with him. Yes, yes, and we had we he liked me um, because I was well behaved. I did the job. Yeah. We had a very good communication. I knew exactly what he meant when he did whatever, cocked his head a certain sure, way. Or, you sure, know. And so it was just a very, um, he was an artist as well. You sure, know? I know. Like, I, I, the American West book is one of my uh, favorite books. And there's a, there, I, I was fascinated with the, the darkness yeah. and light. Like it was always so interesting to me. It was very, it was incubated. We went, it was, nobody else was allowed in. There weren't stylists, hairdressers, yeah. nobody. It was just us and it was hard Work for the for the shoot for, for the, shoots for photo shoots. Any the, of them. The Calvin Klein took days and days. But and those were live action, right? Yeah, there. and those were memorized. You know that minute long commercial was memorized. Yeah, and, and it was just you and Richard. Yeah. Huh. And um, you know, we had a great team of people that were writing right, it. I sure. think I I even think because it could it be Delia Efron that helped write the copy. Yeah. And so the copy was beautiful. Yeah. The the sort of the the hidden meaning in all of it was so smart to me. You know, yeah. I was a I was a, a junior, I guess, in in high school, or maybe a little bit younger. But you know, that type of using your brain at the same time was sort of it was a revelation to me. Right. So you weren't really thinking about how you were being used necessarily. No, you were just doing the script and doing the pose and physicalizing. You're selling. And can, yeah. You're oh, so you knew that selling. You're selling absolutely. As you now. Okay, did I clock that the pan, the camera was panning up my thigh? It was for jeans. Okay, you're no, no, you know I get it. I'm but like, you, but you knew you were selling. Yeah, you knew, yeah. yeah, you knew you were. There was. Did the, you always know that as yeah. a model? I mean, I, I was holding up, you know, uh, yeah, loves so. baby soft and at the beginning, you know, color corrected bottles. It's but when like, you're just doing general, like you know, covers or 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 when you're not holding things up. Uh, there's an art to it, isn't there? That's an, something yeah. beyond selling. It's a natural thing. I get it. It's but. a well. Covers are very different. Covers are very sort of an intimate way yeah. of you know the insides are you're selling clothes and you have to sort of make sure. it a certain way. And, yeah. But the cover is was always, you know, you're looking down the barrel of something, and really it's just you and the photographer. Right. right. And it's it's um it's very intimate. And and very, um, it's otherworldly. But do you think like like, uh, is it not your nature to uh, to to sort of be critical of how you were being used? I mean, now I I can look at it. I right. can look back at it and sure. say, but in by the, I'm not being a Pollyanna about it, but yeah. I am saying like. That's what the business is. Yeah, yeah, I know. It's I know, not yeah. like you're, sure, you know, it's sure. like you can't, you don't get to have it both ways. Right, right. You know, you don't. No, no. And it, it wasn't like, and you have a very successful career. Why are you going to be like, you know, fuck that campaign? It, well, and it like also it like. the world. It was we, like an atomic bomb. We also got a, you know, got to move into a house and we <laughs> bought a car. And yeah, like, yeah. so it was always so directly proportionate sure. to making life better. Did you maintain a relationship with Calvin Klein? Oh yeah. He, yeah, I um I had to do a few episodes of a series before my podcast, but a series, and he came on, and he was so cute because yeah. 
he, you know, it was about 25 minutes or something. And after that, I, I said, oh, you know, thank you. And he's like, that's it? And I said, yeah, he goes, I, I, I planned on being here like an hour. And I said, <laughs> I was like, and, you know, it was nice for me yeah. to hear later how how he did attribute that to changing his entire career. Well, of course, yeah. You know, and, so, and what happened was I didn't get renewed for the second second year. Yeah. And I, my feelings were really hurt. Um, I thought I'd failed and, and because I was, it was a two-year contract. Right. And they didn't do the second, second year. And evidently it was, from what I was told, uh, about the fact that I became so identified Oh. With so people were going in and saying, Can the we Brooke get Shield the Brooke pants? Shields jeans? Yeah, and that was not the point. Yeah, you know, he needed them, it needed to be Calvin Klein jeans, which is obvious, you know? right? And then, like, I can't remember how what the evolution of the Calvin Klein ads were, but they they continued to be provocative, yeah. But they, they used Marky Mark for a while, oh, yeah, and then there was the wood paneling, weird kind of rec room period, right. And Kate Moss, yeah. you know, was in a lot of those. I mean, he was always provocative. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's like, and he wasn't pretending to not be. You know, yeah. that's that that that's always what's so interesting is you, you know, sort of to do a movie about the red light district in New Orleans in in the early 1900s. You know what you're doing the movie about. <laughs> well, I think, but I, I think it, what we're, what what the issue is now is we're looking at it through a contemporary lens. Right. That's it's sort of you know kind of redefining cultural perception mm. right like you know it was all different then it was all there, there was a lot more permissiveness there was less regulation around you know moral attitudes and 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 there was more art in general mm -hmm. so you know there was and everything's very cut and dry now and and everything this was new york you know of course and it was great I mean, it was great, you know, but looking through the contemporary lens, I imagine, you know, that have you had run-ins with uh, feminist ideologues around how they perceived you? You know, not as much so, more like Christian yeah, right, groups. Sure. Like that was it because there was something about my reaction to all of it that feminists have actually been positive about. This sort you of owned I, it. Uh, owning it and, yeah. and not becoming a victim, right, right, and and understanding and owning who you were and and being and not sort of just saying Look, you're the one that has the problem. But with you this. weren't a victim, it, it, you know. It's it's yeah, you weren't a victim because your mother was sort of although she you know, kind of put you into this, she always took care of you to a degree. I always felt loved. I always felt you protected. didn't turn into a mess. No, <laughs> you know, it wasn't a tragic story. No, and I think that that's what I. I've learned to, I'm not ever going to be a tragic story. It's just, it's not an option. I don't not, it and it doesn't matter what shit happens or what, you know, you go through. It's really, you know, how do you go through your life? How are you going to choose to go through it? Well, yeah, you know? and you're fortunate to have this uh, horrendous perfectionism streak and <laughs> constant need to control everything. <laughs> and, and you know, that's been, like, letting go of that over time, not fully, well, obviously. <laughs> well, it's funny that the, the one point, because you know, I got sensitive to it, you know, outside of, you know, a very bad thing that happened to you, but the 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 the, the real dip where you start to feel like, oh, I feel bad for Brooke is when you're kind of out of college and you got to do like local commercials. Oh, it, it's just torture. <laughs> and I was like 20 pounds heavier. I, I had like- And you're doing the dancing and everything. Bad hair. And 
I I didn't know. I thought it was over. I didn't know what to do. So you were taking any job? I was. I had to. We had a townhouse in New York City and a big house in New Jersey. So what were those conversations with your mother like? You know what? We didn't. We, we was just like, all right. There's this Nescafe commercial being shot in Italy, but it's going to be dubbed into Japanese, and 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 they want you. So we, you know, and she would. We didn't. I didn't have an agent. So, you know, she would just, she, it could be somebody that she met on the plane. Yeah. Some Japanese businessman she met on the plane. And before you know <laughs> yeah. it, I'm doing, you know, whatever it, that thing was where I was on the pedestal. <laughs> it was so, like, there was no quality in anything. But right. we needed the money. But, and, okay, so you don't, but again, you, you, you saw that as a necessity. And you, and you don't uh, resent the situation. Because you were in a partnership, and you, but you knew that we need money. We need money. And also... Yeah. I always I had this degree, so I In, could intellectualize from uh, college. You know, French, I'd graduated with from what's college. Degree? What's the degree? Uh, French French lit. Oh yeah, and and that you know that was going to be my. I was going to carry that like like my armor and. And I started you know, intellectualizing everything and, mm. and going to therapy more and studying acting. And I thought, you know, this is this is what it's going to take. You know, this is what they call being an artist. And and I just threw myself into that because I didn't know what else to do. It was just the time where you had the uh, the horrible uh, rape. I uh, yes, yep. I, yeah, I, I was I started, doing it. I was going to say something else, but I realized we can just say, say rape. It. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> It, you know, it's taken me decades to even call it that. Because um, you talked to, like, Gavin DeBecker, who was your security guy since you were a kid, huh? Yeah. You must have started him in the business. I was, um, he was before he had his full company, and I was 13. And he, you know, he had um, sort of taken care of Elizabeth Taylor as a kid and Rosemary Clooney. And, you know, and he had had a lot of tragedy in his life. And he's just brilliant as a as a. Yeah, I, I've he's reached just, out to him for advice before. Oh, he's just... Yeah. And a lot of people don't know how funny he is, but man, is he funny. And we, I was 13. And yeah. so he was the first call, like kind of the only call. So in the doc, to clear it up for people, you, I mean, you you talk about this, it, it, but it was it took you a long time to acknowledge it as that, and you compartmentalized it somehow? Completely. And you chose not to mention the person's name, uh, which is, you know, unique in this particular yeah. climate. But, but you did finally acknowledge that you were raped. I acknowledged that it was an unwanted situation, right. and it took me a lot, a long time to acknowledge it as assault and rape and whatever word yeah. you want to call it, because there was it, it wasn't consensual. Do you know? Then and then my reaction was to just shut down. Yeah, and and I think that you know I was so so scarred by it that I had I I couldn't afford to acknowledge it at all. I yeah. just, my career was in such a bad place. I was currently doing this. Like was this was a producer um, who you said he might have a movie. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I thought, I thought I was getting a job. You and you know, knew I, the guy. Yeah. I don't yeah. know the guy forever. And I yeah. thought, oh, I'm, I'm, this is, this is how yeah, it's going to yeah. happen. It's right. going to be, oh, it's, it's my turn. It's going to, it's going to, yeah. 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 You know, and yeah. now they know I'm an actress and yeah. they're going to, you know. Oh my God. And, and then to go back to this like really shitty movie that I was doing where the, I can't even remember the name of it, but it was one of those movies that never sees the light of day. It probably just goes to yeah. VHS at that point. And, you know, the lead guy did all his lines in Italian and I did all my lines in English. Huh. And I'm just, that happened and I'm going back to this set and I just feel like 
such a joke. I feel like a, I'm oh just a God. loser, and I'm just that there is it's not and don't you know I'm done. It's I was over. Yeah. Um, and it just it really broke me. But then I thought, okay, well then I'm gonna get better. But what did you do to treat it? Were you did were you, did you think you were in PTSD looking back on it, or did you just you know you compartmentalized it? How did I you compartmentalize it? And I I talked it yeah. talked about it and through therapy, yeah. just ad nauseum, and had to go through the sort of stages. You know, yeah. there, it's almost like the stages of of grief. grief you know, and you and I had to take the, I put a lot of blame on myself. I put, you know, I justified everything. It must have been my fault. And, I, and DeBecker was the one who told you that it was assault? Yeah, he, he wanted me immediately to just blow it out of the water and make a huge, like, international case. And yeah. I, I, I was like, Gav, I, I can't get much lower than this, but I can tell you that I will never work again because nobody's going to believe me. And I couldn't afford it. I could not afford it emotionally. So I just chose to do the work with a therapist and 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 really just learn how your body processes information, you know. And was part of your therapy to uh, to confront the the perp? Um, I had done that on my own. Oh. I had written a long letter right. and oh, yeah, never never that. heard anything. Um, never heard anything back. Uh, and and why the choice even now in the climate we live in not to to call the guy out? Because you know what, it would be then about him. And right. and this is my it, it this is my experience yeah. to own on my own. Okay. And the way the the way the press works and the way people work, it doesn't matter. Sure. You know what I mean? It really right. doesn't matter who it is, but that it they would, just want it would matter. Grist. Yeah. It, yeah. It would be a headline. And yeah, so of and course, not, of and, course. I'm not giving that. Yeah, why why yeah, why be cuz then you just be part of this story that you've unleashed and you know, and I've done again so much work and I'm mm. interviewing um this a uh, Dr. Badera who, who talks about this that writing a letter is a very um common common thing that yeah. happens and that there's and there are ways of you ways of compartmentalizing, ways of shutting down. You go into a, um, it's not even fight or flight. She, she calls it another something else. I can't remember right now, but it's this. Um, you, it's what the brain does, and yeah. and how how the brain reacts to a situation that right. is some a place you don't want to be in. Yeah, and how you have to survive. It's like a paralysis almost. It, something shuts down. Absolutely. Yeah. You just think, okay, just stay alive, right, and get out. Yeah. You know, and so it was so it, it it's literally like playing dead under a dead body. Yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's actually it's it's a good metaphor. <laughs> Very good metaphor. Yeah. Um yeah, I um you know, and if you it's, there's no point in you know, I didn't know if I was going to mention it in the doc and then I thought I can't be this honest about absolutely everything. Yeah. Be the mother of two daughters, right? And not at least say, "Listen, this, this, you know, this shit happens, and it it can't anymore." How did how did they take it? Um, my older daughter knew. Um, she like beat it out of me one night. Yeah. She just she got wind. She she figured something out. Yeah. Where we were with a lot of people, and she she just kind of clocked something and yeah. and 
she just hammered me. And I said, okay, I'm going to sit you down. I'm going to tell you. How old was she? Um, this was just a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. And my younger one was clueless and until the documentary. And I, um, I didn't warn her. And I, I just, I don't know why I didn't think to warn her. Yeah. Um, and happened? she got up in the middle of the screening and ran out of the screening room crying and and I just my husband was very upset and I just I you know I thought how we live who we are now is so healthy yeah. and ha- happy yeah, sure. I mean we're a good family like they're great girls they're grown up they're sure. you know we have a very um honest you know yeah. life I but I had put it behind me and I guess and she just said mom nothing you say is going to make me feel better about this so it's just going to take time I don't want to see anybody hurt my mom right and I I said I love you I appreciate that I'm so sorry that I didn't warn you and I didn't prepare you yeah um this will be end up being hopefully good for the world and you know as a just a being an advocate for for people yeah. that are maybe don't feel like they have the voice, um, I refuse to become the poster child for it. Sure. Um, and she, you know, she got it. She's going to come to the premiere, <laughs> probably just because she? she wants to be on the red carpet. Um, sixteen. Yeah. She will be seventeen very soon. Well, I imagine growing up in the world that they're growing up in, and and you know having a definition at that age of predator, toxic masculinity, mm-hmm. you know, abuse, you know, that they know all that stuff. And it's terrifying, I would imagine. And then to hear your mom just, that it happened to you. Yeah. I mean, it would be like, even picture yourself with your crazy mother mm-hmm. protecting her yeah. all the time. Like, you know, the idea of helplessness and, and yeah. uh, you know. And, and but it, we were, it, it, you know, I was from the time with my, you know, my mom lost a baby. And when I lost my first child, I, like, I kind of knew it, but I didn't know she couldn't, she would, could not come clean and tell me. Mm. And I thought, wow, that's interesting. You know, I hope I, I hope I'm able to be honest with my children in the future when they need it. Well, it's tricky because you, you have to protect them as well. So, I, know. I mean, it's like, it's a negotiation, I guess you would have to make. Yeah. I don't have kids, so, but I, but I imagine it, you have to weigh it out. Yeah. And you also, I made it, I try to make it a teaching moment, you know? Yeah, sure. Yes. This yeah. is the way your mom you know, but you've got to know that these things exist. Yeah. And, you know, and, and don't, and the victim shaming is a, is such a big piece yeah. of it, you know, right. and it's so, it it's a huge, huge part of it. And, you know, that old. The fear the, of telling your story because it'll be disregarded or framed. And, 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 you know, why did you put yourself in that position sure. kind right. of a way yeah, of yeah, question yeah, yeah. line of questioning? And that was a good way for me. You know, and the interesting, these kids are. They're, you know, on the one hand, they're so woke, and then on the other, you know, that they don't want to talk. They don't want to talk about these things, and they don't want. Yet, they're also. We we had a huge discussion about yeah. all of this, you know, about owning your own person and what they do on TikTok and and how they almost sexualize themselves. Well, yeah, and also there's <laughs> apparently a, a kind of um, uh, uh, frequency in the culture that is sort of almost uh, anti-vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like uh, this idea of cringe yeah. is 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 really around vulnerability, yeah. which is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, so they're learning how to, you know, like to almost become deadened 
mm-hmm. and and uh, and almost grow up as brands. Mm-hmm. And they think that they're owning, but they're but they're it's a different type of yeah, ownership. It's a, we- it's a weird thing. Yeah, it's it's very odd, and it doesn't. I can't quite figure out what's happening to the pendulum. And what, right, but also like, because like, and also you were like before this age of of social media platform. I mean, you were a brand. Mm-hmm. You know, but, you know, somehow or another, you were kind of um, casually unaware of the impact, I think, at times. I also, it was too much to really process. process. Mm. I mean, you know, it's, it's, I would do my homework when I was in the hair and makeup chair and I would, you know, and they'd say, well, what do you like? Do you like it? And I'd just go, "Uh uh-huh. Yeah, it's great. Like looking at myself in the mirror was always very hard for me because every weird it was just weird yeah. and and you can't see yourself the way other people see you yeah. so you're just disappointed yeah and that's weird yeah and you know like in dance class i couldn't spot because i didn't want to look at myself in the mirror and he would say wow. the teacher was like G- get over yourself nobody nobody cares yeah look spot or you're yeah. gonna fall on your ass all the time well you can look at yourself Come even on. when you didn't have makeup on it either anyway Anyway, it was just don't gaze. Don't gaze at yourself. Don't look in the reflection. Why? Oh, there was something vanity. It was vanity. Really? I mean, that's what I interpreted it as. So you were trying to work against uh, how you were being used in a way. And how I was being, like, fawned over. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, you know, It's like, you're so beautiful, and you think, I didn't do anything to look like this. Like, right, yeah, yeah. yeah I can't. <laughs> right. Can I just get value from, like, yeah. I went to a good school, or right, sure. I gave a good performance, or it was just... It was never that. But so. but eventually became that. I mean, you, you know, you became this, like, uh, hilarious actress. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I, I, I think it's funny because you are very funny. And, you know, that's one of the great defense mechanisms is, oh, is humor. Oh, best. And, like, you know, I'm, I, it's sort of exciting that people, uh, you know, exploited that in you later. Or well, that you did it yourself. I mean, I, f- I couldn't believe my luck, but I also, I'd been fighting for it forever, you yeah. know. And, and. And just, it was my absolute happy place, yeah, you know, yeah. it just, so by the time I got Suddenly Susan, I was just, on, I was just soaring with yeah. joy. <laughs> there you go. And that's, you know, and, and that was after, you know, the, your bottom was really these like Japanese commercials. Yeah. <laughs> Where I'm dressed as the Statue of Liberty uh, and I'm on a, I'm on a big, tall yeah, <laughs> platform. Yeah. And, but, you know, I also... Was I did Greece? You know, I went yeah, on Broadway. Yeah, huge. I remember that. Yeah, and that was, it was a, a big huge... deal. Everyone was like, "Can she do it?" It was because it was. Is it just a placement of a name? And and it was, did... it, but it was that. I mean, it was the first time stunt casting yeah. really ever happened. Yeah, and had it not existed, the likes of me would never have been on. Yeah, I wasn't considered Broadway. You know? Right, sure, but you did great. I did, and I and I went on to do kind of amazing work on on Broadway, and just. Got so confident about it, you yeah. Know? It just felt really good because it was, it was associated with really hard work. Yeah. So I was triggered in a good way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Know? Yeah. Well, obviously we can't talk about everything, but most of it's in the doc. The, the Agassiz thing that you know, that seemed, is, is it just one of those things? Like I was somebody's, you know, uh, mistake. <laughs> like I was married to somebody and I really think at this point it was only for a few years and I really think she just sees it as like bad phase <laughs> really yeah. I, I mean listen he my first husband you know it's like you're, people say you marry your father or whatever that thing is I'm 
I married a very controlling yeah. person. I married right. a I married an industry. I married an, a conglomerate, sure, you know, sure. and I I could disappear in it. Right. And I loved it. And you know? needed that and I at needed the time. It. Yeah. And I needed to be able to separate from my mom and I needed a cushion yeah. in you know, he took care of everything. Yeah. I mean, I was I had by that point we had about six houses. I'm, I mean, my mom, every time my mom traveled and we did a photo shoot or something, she yeah. would buy a ranch yeah. or, you know, buy a lake house. And and we just, we had all this property and yeah. no cash flow. Yeah. And so, you know, he systematically helped me sell the p- properties, fin- yeah. you know, did the next and next and next right. and helped me separate from my mom with, um, with care and yeah. love. I mean, you know, minus when I gutted her office, which was a less than, you know gracious thing that I did do. Um, but he... Oh, and you emptied the uh, yeah, office. and yeah. yeah, and that was pretty brutal, I, w- I will yeah. say. Yeah. Um, but necessary? The only way I would have known yeah. how to do it. It was like ripping a Band-Aid off. Sure. You know, yeah. and it was, it was not... She was never going to make it easy for me to separate. Yeah. I mean, I tried mediators, and yeah. I tried, and she just... She was so hurt. And you tried intervening with the alcoholism when you were 13 and um, again and again and again. And again and again. I mean, she was in multiple rehabs. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, <sighs> you know, so you just, I, this, all of a sudden I was safe. Right. right and I was yeah. childlike. Yes. And we were like little children together and we both had very strong parents. We both had reached, you know, huge fame at a young age. We had, we identified with Well, that's with interesting. So that's like the same with Michael Jackson too, in a way. Mm-hmm. That you were all sort of suspended emotionally. Yeah, it was arrested development very for young. sure. Yeah, and that stayed there. And a, a great deal of responsibility. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I think that that was, you know, we saw something in the other person. Um, Andre and I laughed a lot too, yeah. which was really, which are you, was do you're t- Are you in touch still? No. Mm-mm. No, I I thought we would be because it was... It was not a, ugly. Yeah. It took seven minutes. I mean, it was sure. just, um, but I, that's not the kind of person he is. Right. Like when you're out, you're out. Right. Yeah. And he wrote a book, ironically called Open, mm. um, in which he asked me to yeah. read all the parts I was in. And I thought that was very generous. Sure. So I spent five hours with his ghostwriter and, um, <laughs> and I made sure he knew that I penned my own books. Just yeah. threw that in there. <laughs> yeah. um, just had an editor, not a ghostwriter. Um, uh-huh. And uh, and I said, I saw I changed all this. He said, you know, I don't remember dates, but you have diaries and you have all this stuff. So sure. please help fix the things I don't remember. And uh-huh. I said, okay. And there were many. Everything yeah. was just off. Right. And then I got a letter. <laughs> typed letter about yeah. a month later saying, thank you so much for your time. Unfortunately, I couldn't change any of the things that you that you corrected because that's not how I remember it. And it is my by my book. Wow. And I was like, what? And then I, to- I told my publisher, uh, my editor, and I said, can, is that, can, and she said, oh, it's the like, oldest trick in the book. Because when you go to press, yeah. you can say, oh, yes, I gave it to her to read. Oh, right. And that, Indicates that I signed off on it, oh, which of got, course I didn't. You got duped. <laughs> I got duped in a big way. <laughs> oh my god! So, but there you go. That's enough not to talk to somebody for a while. Yeah, 
parts. We, we, we don't, you know what? There's so little that we have in common. Right. And also like, look, it's, it's old news. And it's like, if you've worked through whatever resentments or are you, what are you going to, you know what you need it for? You don't have and kids with the guy. No, don't. And no. also it's like, it was exactly what I needed at that time. Sure. It's I like, you know, it seemed like it. Yeah. It was, it was really perfect. I was, I was saved. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. So now, you know, I didn't know anything about the postpartum depression stuff. Oh, no. No. I mean, I, I, mean, I don't know how, why, why I would. It's not really my world of reading. <laughs> no, no, I know. You know, but, <laughs> but, you know, like it did strike something in me around, you know, my mother, you know, who, yeah. yeah, because she said to me, you know, in a very glib way a few years ago, she just out of nowhere said, you know, Mark, when you were a baby, I just, I don't think I knew how to love you. And I'm like, Ooh, wow. Hey, well, that's you. thank you for that piece. Yeah, that that thanks. answers a lot of questions. <laughs> Doctor. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> but but I but I don't know if she was depressed or, or just selfish. I don't know. But I mean that. But the but it's definitely a symptom of that. But is it? It is a symptom, and it can be there. There's such a range, you know. There's it's sort of like postpartum to psychosis you know there's this huge range of of levels yeah. of it and it's so heartbreaking that whole part of the doc and that part of your story because you were just so like you couldn't understand your mind i couldn't understand my mind and and it's such a brilliant any type of mental um affliction or illness or irregularity or unbalance i yeah. should say you know biochemically you don't it it's speaking perfectly to you Right, and but and but for such a but for a person who's got their shit together so aggressively, mm, right? <laughs> you know, and to not understand something that you're generating, it's got to be the worst. It's the worst. It's it's taking everything that made me who I am, yeah. and absolutely ripping, ripping my legs out from under me, and having no tools, no knowledge, and letting people down because they can't fix it. And how? So this is your first kid. My first kid. And you know, how long did it take you to to learn about it and get treatment? How old was she? Do you feel, do you feel like she suffered at all because of this period? I I convinced myself that she was suffering because yeah. her father kind of came in and yeah. you know, well, he did seems all like the, a sweet guy. Yeah, he is. He's a great guy. He's funny too. Mm. So, um he, you know, he just kind of went into mode and he had never sort of held a baby before. And now he was doing it. And they have a very strong relationship. Yeah. And I, I sort of beat myself up about that for a long time. You know, I thought you made them bond and you, you know, you did this to yourself. And yeah. it was like, it just was amazing. But um, it only really lasted uh it took some months. It was about yeah. six months. By a year, I had found the the right um, medication and, uh -huh. and, and sort of combination of things. And so, and, you know, and and I went through the motions. Oh, before of bonding yeah. with her. Do, yeah. do you know what I mean? It yeah, was just sure. I was in. I was just so unhappy. I was so. Desperate. You couldn't understand why your heart wasn't following suit. Yes, right. and why she was such a stranger to me. You know, you look at this, you, you, it comes out of your body. Yeah. And you don't recognize it. Yeah. It doesn't, you know, you're, you, I was exhausted. I had gone through IVF seven times. I lost so much blood when I gave birth to her and herniated my uterus. I mean, it was just everything that could have gone wrong. Yeah. I thought I was going to die. They were going to give me a hysterectomy. Yeah. And so there was so much trauma that I experienced. And then I get home. And I don't know what to do 
with a baby. Yeah. And I'm I'm depleted and I'm completely biochemically imbalanced and no one knows it. They just say, you know, oh, stop breastfeeding or stop right. doing this. Yeah. And it's just, you just feel so helpless and scared. Was there no literature on postpartum at that time? Nothing. Nobody told us anything. I called, told the doctor and he was like, oh, it's the baby blues. And That's what they called it. That's yeah. the best they had? Mm-hmm. You'll get over it. It's just, you know, you're tired and once you get some sleep. And so it was really not a, a, a pathology at the time. It, it wasn't. Was, it, was, it was, but no one talked about it. And we weren't in. There were, was there a name for it? Was post It was postpartum depression. But was that name there then? Yes. Oh, okay. So okay. what had happened was a doctor called me back and his wife was a doula. And, you know, he said, I apologize for violating the the you know, patient doctor privilege or yeah. whatever, but but you really worried me. And I, I talked to my wife about it and she's a doula and she thinks that you are experiencing postpartum depression and would you take medication? Of course, I said, no, I'm not going to take medication. I've never had to take medication to be fixed before. Mm. I fix myself <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I do it myself. Yeah. And, um, and it was just so bleak that, and everybody said, please, 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 oh, please, please. Oh, the pictures please. of you are horrendous. I mean, you, you can just, just look like, you know, haunted. Haunted. My my mother-in-law called me. She said, you, I I saw dead eyes. Yeah. And I just, oh. you know, so, yeah. So I, I finally said, okay, to get everybody off my back, I'll take a pill. Yeah. Clearly, I'm just, you know, oh, I'm going to be a... <laughs> An actress that takes pills now, you yeah, know. Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah. yeah, you had a whole life set out for yourself. Uh, yes. Really pictured the worst of it. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> of course I did. <laughs> I live in the wreckage of the future. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Yeah, so you took them? So I took them, started feeling better, um, just started feeling normal, hmm. you know, and started, you know, wanting to wanting to be around her, you yeah. know, and, and, and the smell of the powder of the diapers didn't make my legs weak anymore. It was yeah. like, there's something so visceral about what happens biochemically. And I started just feeling, um, just more myself. Yeah. So I went off cold Turkey because clearly I was a, a doctor by that point. Sure. And, um, anyone who takes medicine is a doctor. Is a doctor. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ostensibly I was a doctor. <laughs> and uh, so I had a very bad episode. Um, where I thought I was going to drive my car into the wall on, I don't know, the 405. And you see it. I mean, that it has pictures and yeah. they rush. But they And if you close your eyes, the pictures rush into your brain and yeah. it's terrifying. Wow. And I, I, I was one with the phones, had the big thing that yeah. was in the car. And I, I, I called, um, I called it. The, the, uh, my doctor and yeah. she said what are you doing right now and I said I'm on the freeway and she said okay what happened did you go off the medication and I said yes cold turkey and she said how's that working out for you <laughs> and I said this is not good and yeah. she said stay on the phone with me you're going to drive home and you're going back on immediately she said medicine is there for a reason it does not mean you are weak or you are a failure or anything did you stop taking it in in light of the tom cruise bullshit no god uh. no i stopped taking this before the tom cruise thing because uh. i hadn't talked about it nobody Publicly. Oh, yeah no, i hadn't right. talked about it until i wrote the book so that uh. was uh, about a year over a year later so this is all um, part of the the book yeah. the journey of it yep and and then you did you 
find, was there support groups or anything? I mean, when you wrote the book, were, were you I went, talking to other people? I first what? talked to people and everybody denied it. And Because of shame? Yeah. Wow. And then people would come to me secretly and they would say, you know, I think my sister's struggling. Oh, or, my God. My yeah. wife is, you know, you know, but it's supposed to be the most natural thing in the world. I mean, babies have been being born for quite some time. Yeah. And, but, but, the, but the funny thing is, is like, you know, more than uh, about half of them don't turn out great. <laughs> I know. You, you, there's so much. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I, it's well, not, I don't like people just in general. Sure. I don't like people, but yeah. but <laughs> kids, and I don't like other people's kids. Right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but they, you just and you, it's just it's un it's unfathomable. I didn't. I I was so thrown, and nobody knew. And I, you know, I broke my husband. I mean, he just he felt so helpless. And then people started quietly. Saying, you know, I think I had it. Yeah. I think my mom had it. Or isn't it weird about it's like this has been this thing in my brain lately. It's like people who don't take responsibility for their m mental problems are are just spawning generations of that mental problem. Mm -hmm. It never stops. No, you know, you can't power through it and buck up. But and, but it's like hereditary. It's just almost yeah, just behaviorally hereditary. Maybe not postpartum, but in general. You know, if you have a problem, whether it's alcoholism or borderline or whatever, you're predisposed. And, I mean, sure, you know, right, and you don't take responsibility for it. You're just gifting it to the next generation, right. or, the, or at least the reaction to it, whatever that is. And that's why I think I decided to write the book was because it was so ludicrous to me, yeah, that this was something that people were ashamed of. I said, you know, like, I didn't choose to have this, yeah. And when it helped understanding it biophysically, you know, because yeah. then it was then it was not my fault. Sure, but the Tom Cruise thing that was Scientology bullshit, and you push back. I did, and you can see that in the movie. And I guess, <laughs> like to 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 wrap it up though, now that you have these daughters, and, and given what you went through, I mean, you know what you know what are your primary concerns, and what are, are are the sort of nuggets of advice you give them in relation to how you came up in the world. Oh, gosh. I mean, <clears throat> we talk a lot about yeah. everything. You know, my, you know, they think it was the olden days. You know? sure. they, they were like, you're old, mom. And they don't, they, they'll say, mom, you don't get it because it wasn't like that for you. Yeah. And so I say, all right, then you tell me how it is and let's have a conversation sure. about it. Um, what I try to instill in them is um, work ethic, manners, meaning respect. Sure. Um, owning your space, listening, um, being a good friend as as well. You know, being that, that there are, I mean, my children are very moral. I, I have to say one of them is very righteous. And, yeah. and my older one is, um, she's a bit, a bit more easygoing about things. Um, and, but they both, I, they're very much their own people. Yeah. And I think that I've tried to teach them to, be their own person because I was never, I didn't know who my own person was. Yeah. Um, and I found. You belong to the world, Brooke Shields. I, I did. I did. But, you know, also, I'm, it's so interesting is when this doc was presented to me, my actress ego immediately sort of went to, oh, everybody's going to see my yeah. work. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then I had to sort of step back from that and and really realize that this was a bigger it was a bigger story, and yeah. I wanted my girls to see how to survive and keep going through through life, yeah. and and don't let yourself be be beaten. You're going to yeah. be hurt. You'll be scared, 
but surround yourself with good people. Yeah, get a Laura Linney. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And get, you know, and pick your friends. Yeah. The, the, you know, and find something that makes you happy. Oh, there you go. Yeah. And really do it. I mean, really find the joy in it because it's it's going to be hard. You're going to yeah. be rejected and no matter what you choose. Yeah. But the joy that I get from being who I am as an actress yeah. is is worth all of it. Well, that's me, good. Yeah. You know? And did they hear all that? Do they take they, it? They they hear it. They take it. Um, and they're they're you know they they're they fight me on certain things. But when I start talking to them about this stuff, they see the experience. Yeah. And they, my older daughter said, "You're the strongest person I've ever known, Mom." <laughs> and and she said, "You know, I watched the documentary. She watched it by yeah. herself, and she said, I can't believe." There's so much I didn't know, <laughs> but you're really c- cooler than I thought. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. So there you it won- is. Got a few points. Yeah, All I'll right. take it. Good talking to you. Thank you. How can you not love Brooke Shields? Huh? Pretty Baby, Brooke Shields is now streaming on Hulu. That was fun. Hang out for a second, people. Hey, folks, this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. You know all those times you've heard guests sneeze on the show. Well, actually, you don't hear any of that because we cut the sneezes out when we're editing. But take my word for it, people definitely sneeze in here. And when they do, I've got a box of Kleenex on the table right in front of them so they can use one and get right back to business. And here's what Kleenex means to me, a tissue that will hold up. We've all used those other tissues that you blow holes right through. When I see Kleenex, I know that tissue is up for the job. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on. Okay, I've been talking for a couple months now about the movies of Kelly Reichardt, and I finally got to talk to her after seeing her newest film showing up. Here's what happens. So I see a coming attraction for the new one. For a trailer for yeah. showing up. And there was a moment in it that I thought was so acute and perceptive that I just, like, it, I, I had to watch every one of your movies because of one moment in the trailer. Now, I had seen, you, you know, Wendy and Lucy when it came out, I think. And right. I had seen First yeah. Cow, but I never uh-huh. put them together as, you know, I never connected the tissue of you okay. and your work. So that one moment where that guy's digging that hole. In showing up, <laughs> and he says, "It's what is it? It's it's a big work, an important work. What does yeah, he say?" He says, um, "It's a piece, a yeah. very important piece." <laughs> that was it. Yeah, yeah, a very important piece. And then once I realized it was about artists, and I dated a painter for years, and there was something yeah. about that moment that sort of revealed the kind of delusion that an artist has to have in order to believe that their work is relevant. Right. All of us. That's right. Yeah. But yeah. It, I thought it was so hilarious in that moment without any context. Yeah. Right? Right, right. So 
So then I'm like, oh my God, who, who is this person who made this movie? You'll hear that full conversation on Thursday. And a reminder, if you want access to every episode of WTF ad-free and get weekly bonus content, sign up for WTF+. Plus. There's a link in the episode description or go to WTFPod.com and click on WTF+. Plus. Here we go. Simple power chords. Here we go. Dirty. Thank <laughs> you. 